we can't continue to tolerate guys that aren't doing the things they need to do to be successful. You know, nobody's entitled to a position. You know, everybody's earned the position that they're in by showing that they have the capability and ability to do it on a consistent basis. And uh, that's something that you have to continue. And the grind of the season, being in the middle of the season, being a little bit hurt, tired, whatever, can't lose your focus on doing the things you need to do to continue to improve and get better because other people are looking at your flaws too. That's right. Everyone's job's essentially up for grabs, as it probably should be, after a very disappointing loss on the road in which you kind of did a lot of the same things you did a few weeks ago. I don't blame Coach Saban for being pretty frustrated with where the team is at. The good news is, Bama fans, stick around. I'll explain why all is not lost and why you don't need to quit and shut the program down. All right, don't worry. I'll explain here in just a little bit. We have a great show for you today. Today is Wednesday, October 19th. He's Mark Kubiak. I'm Greg McElroy. Thanks so much for being with us. Today is an unveiling. It's an unveiling. Okay. So many of you have been, oh, where you, how do you have them ranked? You know, all this other stuff. We usually kind of stay away from the rankings until we get to the midway point. Why? Because at this point, we feel like you can properly determine, all right, who's got a good strength of record, who's got a good strength of schedule, who's beaten quality teams, who's lost to quality teams. Like you have at least a little bit more data to be able to quantify where these teams should stack up right now. Now, there will be a few of you out there that will be beside themselves about where their team is ranked. What I would tell you is stay with me. Your schedule at this point and your resume at this point is incomplete. So don't go, you know, making threats on my life, okay? It's simply a mid-season top 10. Just relax. And we're going to get to a lot of your questions as well. We have some big picture questions. You probably have some big picture questions. We're going to evaluate Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma State. We're going to hit an awful lot here on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. So without much further ado, let's talk about it. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, here we go. It's time to dive in. It's the mid-season point. We should be able to have enough, enough, I'm not saying an entire body of work, but we have enough of a body of work to be able to assess what these teams are at this point. I just want you to know, all right, my rankings are the way rankings should be, okay? 
not a guess about what a team might be, not an evaluation of what a team could be. It's purely a snapshot. I'm taking a picture of the landscape right now, and I'm going to judge you based on what you've accomplished and who you've beaten. That's what I care most about. Who have you beaten? I don't care about how it necessarily looks all the time against lower level competition. I do value the eye test, but not until a later point, because at a later point, most programs have a fuller body of work and have actually had a chance to play against quality competition. And I can promise you this, I am looking at this without a bias whatsoever. It's purely based on who you've beaten. All right? Are you ready to proceed? It's a big setup. Or, I, I can't wait. Well, I just think that people are going to absolutely lose their mind, but hear me out. Those of you that are freaking out about where your team is at, hang in there. I'm going to start with number 10, okay? The number 10 team in my college football rankings at the midway point is the USC Trojans. Now, you're going to say, all right, well, that's, that makes sense. It's probably about right. Some teams, you know, that were under consideration. We'll get to them a little bit later. But number 10, I have USC. Not the greatest resume at this point, but certainly not a resume that they need to be embarrassed by. Of course, they lost last week to a quality Utah team, but they do have good wins against teams that are above 500. They have a good win against Washington State. They also have a good win against 5-2 and two Oregon State. So if you look at what USC's done, albeit maybe not the most impressive on the defense side of the football, they have beaten a few good teams. Moving on to team number nine. This is probably quite a bit lower than most people would have this team. I have Alabama currently at number nine. The good news for Alabama is their fans are quietly trying to tell me how unbiased I am and how I go out of my way to be unbiased. No, it's not. It's simply about what you've accomplished. You've had a couple close calls and then you got got last week in a way that was somewhat unfortunate. Didn't play great in the process, but ultimately the team continues to make mistakes when it comes to penalties, and the team has been a little bit inconsistent on both sides of the ball, but more specifically on the defense side of the football, especially last week. Here's the good news for Alabama. Right now you're at number nine because the best team that you've beaten is Texas. Texas is pretty good. The second best team you've beaten is Arkansas. Arkansas is four and three. So you have a very similar resume to USC. SC beat a 5 and 2 Oregon State team and a 4 and 3 team uh that was what? Uh Washington State. I was blanking for a second. All right. Arkansas might be better than Washington State. Texas might be better than Oregon State, but ultimately you beat teams with similar records. The good news though, like I said for Alabama, they're still in complete control of their own destiny. They have top-tier games remaining on the schedule, including one this week against Mississippi State, a team that's well above 500, including a game on the road at LSU, a team that's 5-2 and two right now. And then you also have a chance to play against Ole Miss. All right, Ole Miss, currently undefeated, firmly in the top 10. You have a top 10 team still on the schedule, and... If you win those games, you get a trip to Atlanta to go to the SEC championship game where you will likely have a chance to avenge your loss against Tennessee or be able to beat up on another top team in Georgia. Alabama in full control of their destiny, but right now their resume, because it's really not that strong, 
has them at number nine. Do I think they're better than that? Yes, but that's not, it's not about what I think. It's about what I know. And what I know is that their resume does not warrant a higher ranking. At number eight, the UCLA Bruins. Now, UCLA, you're going to say and point to because everybody just cherry picks information when they're putting their rankings together. So people that don't like UCLA are going to point to the fact that, well, they barely beat South Alabama. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I acknowledge that. But what you might not know is that South Alabama's 5-1. and one. They're actually pretty good. They also have a win against a 5-2 and two Washington team. And they beat Utah, who's also 5-2. and two, A team that would be squarely in my top 25. So they have two solid wins against Power 5 teams. And then one very solid win against a really good Sunbelt team. UCLA is undefeated. We're going to learn a lot more about them this weekend. They go on the road to Oregon. They get through this one. Guess what? Things are looking pretty good for the UCLA Bruins. But right now, they land at number eight. Moving in to number seven is where it starts to get a little bit trickier. Ole Miss is currently my seventh ranked team in college football. And by the way, I am not thoroughly impressed with what Ole Miss has done so far. They have two good wins. One was against Kentucky. One was against Troy. Troy, shockingly, is at 5-2. and two. I was surprised by that as well. I feel like Troy's been a little up and down. One of those two losses, by the way, by way of a Hail Mary against App State. So Troy, pretty good football team so far. But the win against Kentucky for Ole Miss, of course, that's their biggest win. That's their best win. It's by a fairly wide margin, too. But Kentucky really kind of played poorly in that game. Now, Ole Miss is still getting credit for the victory. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. It does not count in my rankings. Did you win? Did you lose? Optics matter, sure, but not at this point. Ole Miss has a good win against a team that'd be in the top 20 if I took the rankings that far. That's Kentucky. They are 5-2. and two. Ole Miss in there at number 7. Moving to number six, and here's where it starts to get very interesting. Clemson is number six. You're going to sit there and say, all right, well, Clemson's pretty good. I say, I agree. NC State, five and two. Florida State, four and three. Two good wins. And I think you have an excellent win against Wake Forest, who's sitting at five and one. I think the league is pretty good. I think the division is pretty good. So Clemson, three Really, really solid wins. I just referenced them. Three teams are way above 500 that they've beaten so far. Well, not way above. Florida State just one game above 500. But either way, the Wake Forest win, excellent. The NC State win, very good as well. That NC State wins one to circle, though, because without Devin Leary, that win could weaken as time goes along. And the Florida State win as well, that might weaken as well. So a team to watch right now is Clemson, where they're at and where they might be and how it's reflected based on the teams that they've played. Moving to number five, this team is grossly underrated in a lot of polls. In my estimation, doesn't mean they're going to make the playoff, but it does mean at this point, as I take a picture of the college football landscape based on what they've done up until today, TCU is number five. The reason why they have a great win against Oklahoma State, you're going to say, well, they had to have a furious comeback in that game. Did they win the game? Because last I checked, all we're trying to do is win the game. And last I checked, when the game went final there in overtime, they had more points than the Pokes. All right, you'll also find out here in a minute, I think Oklahoma State's really good. So that's a great win to me for TCU. They also have really good wins against both Kansas, who's 5-1, and one, and I think Oklahoma, even though they're 4-3 and three right now, they're above 500. I think Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel 
is very different than Oklahoma without Dylan Gabriel. However, I look at how TCU played against Oklahoma when Dylan Gabriel was in the game, and they still looked pretty good last time I checked. Now it got completely sideways when Dylan Gabriel went out of the game. So it's difficult to kind of gauge exactly where TCU is, but they have three legit wins in my eyes, which is why I have them currently sitting at number five. I also think when measuring up these two teams, which wins better, Wake Forest or Oklahoma State? To me, it's Oklahoma State. That's why I have them ahead of Clemson. Moving on now into the top four, and here's where it gets really, really tricky. Because if you really want to get down to it, TCU has a better resume than the team that I have ranked number four. The team that I have ranked number four has not played anyone currently with a conscience. That would be Ohio State. Now you're going to say, Greg, they are dominating people. I agree with that. I think Ohio State is unbelievably good. They're a juggernaut offensively. They can score with anybody. I think they've addressed the issues that plagued them at times last year on defense. What I also know, though, is that Ohio State's played one team with a winning record. They've beaten one team with a winning record. And that team is not that great. That would be Toledo. Toledo's in the MAC. When your best win is against a MAC team, albeit a dominant win, I'm going to hold that against you. Now, you got to win against 3 and 3 Notre Dame. You got to win against 3 and 4 Wisconsin. You got to win against 3 and 3 Rutgers. You got to win against 3 and 4 Michigan State. You got to win against 2 and 5 Arkansas State. Like, I understand. Like, it's not Ohio State's fault that Notre Dame's not as good as what we thought they might be coming into the season. It's not their fault at all. The good news for Ohio State, I haven't listed Michigan yet. They're still on the schedule. Ohio State's already in the top four in my rankings, and they haven't even played a soul. So Ohio State is well-positioned to vault up the rankings. They still have wins, possibly, against Penn State. You still have a win against a team in Maryland who right now is sitting with a pretty nice record as well, even though Talia Tungabailoa's availability down the stretch could very much impact whether Maryland's still viewed as a good win at the end of the season. And then you have Michigan. And then you might have a chance to play Illinois in the Big Ten Championship game. By the end of the season, there's a very strong possibility that Ohio State is either number one or number two in college football. But up until right now, Ohio State hasn't played anybody. Even though they've been dominant, they haven't played anybody. And I have to hold it against them for the moment. Moving up to team number three. I have Georgia currently as the third ranked team. They have a great win against Oregon. How great is that win? We're going to find out this weekend when Oregon plays against my team that's ranked number eight in UCLA. If Oregon can protect the home field, then that win for Georgia actually strengthens their resume considerably. And you think of just how dominant Georgia was in that game as well against a quality competition. That, I think, is something that needs to be considered. But Oregon, to me, I'm not sold on them yet. I think they had a really nice comeback against Washington State. I think they've been okay in the last five games. They beat up on a BYU team that really isn't that great. Has proven that really over the last few weeks. You saw how sideways it got 
against an average Arkansas team last weekend as well at home. So I'm not really sold on Oregon at this point. But if Oregon beats UCLA, who I am sold on, that could really help Georgia's resume in the meantime. However, as of right now, that's exactly where Georgia sits. Georgia also has a good win against 4-2 and two South Carolina. South Carolina plays Texas A&M this weekend. If South Carolina gets that win, that could also strengthen Georgia's resume as well. But as of right now, Georgia's still with so much still on the table. They have Florida coming up. They have Tennessee coming up. They might even have a rematch with Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia's schedule will strengthen considerably down the stretch as well. But right now, I have them at number three. Moving on to the team that is currently ranked number two. I'm wondering, I haven't listed a couple teams. Have you been able to use the process of elimination to see who I have in the top two? I would hope if you follow our, our our podcast, our show, you know that it's always called Triple, so you know we're probably not leaving anybody out. All right, Michigan is number one. Tennessee is number two. You're going to say, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Last week, you were telling me that Michigan hasn't played anybody. Yes, that's, all right. that's right. <laughs> and then you also were telling us that Tennessee's defense is going to be very problematic when playing against Alabama. You're right. But... After last week, things have changed drastically. Because what happened last week? Michigan had one of the most convincing victories of the year against a team in Penn State that I think is okay. I don't think Penn State's a playoff team, but Penn State has two good wins. They beat Purdue, who's 5-2. and two. They beat Ohio. MAC team, not a good win, not a great win, but a fine win. Team above 500. I think Penn State's okay. Maybe they get a good win this week against Minnesota. Strengthens Michigan's resume even more. But the dominance that was on display from Michigan from start to finish in that game, yes, it was close at halftime. It was a two-point game. But anybody that watched it saw just how one-sided that game was. Now, that was really the first mega test to me for Michigan. They looked pretty good in the Iowa game, but we're going to find out more with Michigan in the weeks to come. And of course, like I talked about with Ohio State, everything hinges on that game. But Michigan right now, to me, is playing as well, if not better, than anybody in college football and has the resume to back it up after what I consider to be a great win against a 5-1 and one Penn State football team. And then at number two, I have Tennessee. Now, I saw some of the issues defensively that all of you saw as well. But I can tell you this. Whether it was close or whether it was ugly, tell me who has a better resume than this right now. They have a great win against number nine, in my eyes, Alabama. Okay, Alabama is an elite football team. They have flaws, but I think that's an elite football team. You can make a case. It's the best win of the college football season so far. Even though it wasn't super pretty, it was a good win by Tennessee in every possible way. But how about this? In addition to the Alabama win, you got a win against four and three Ball State. You got to win at Pitt, who's four and two. You got to win against Florida, who's four and three. Remember, Florida beat Utah. I mean, Florida, not great, but not terrible either. You got to win against Florida, who beat Utah at four and three. And you went into LSU's house and dominated LSU. Absolutely dominated LSU, who's five and two. Tell me who has a better resume than Tennessee right now. There's nobody. Now, their defense, that's why they're two, not one. All right. But still, all things considered, Tennessee belongs in that spot. And to me, Michigan so far, based on what they've done, their record, their resume, and what they have coming up and how they're playing, I think they are rightfully there in the number one spot for me. 
All right, interesting. I'm just going to ask a few questions on these. I'm going to start with the divisions in college football. Who's the best division? Like, give me the top three divisions that you have. Well, uh, since I knew this question was coming, I prepared a little bit deeper than the best division. <laughs> all right. I went all the way down the list, okay? And this, you know, some people are very interested in this. Some people are bored to death about division talk. I, I happen to think it's very interesting, but I don't think it's an indicator of the top team. For instance, we have seen Clemson emerge from an atrocious ACC Coastal and win the national championship. Like, I don't like characterizing divisions as weak or bad or all these other things. I don't like characterizing teams as weak or bad or any of these things because there might be a great team and the rest of the division thinks. Is that, is that the great team's fault? No, not necessarily. Same reason, you know, you're going to be held accountable. But ultimately, like, I don't like to characterize entire leagues, entire divisions as really, really weak because it can all flip in a weekend like we've seen it happen on so many different occasions. However, without, you know, taking the filibuster and removing it for a moment, let's go into the best divisions slash leagues in college football. Now, there's eight because the Pac-12 has abandoned divisions, obviously, and we know the Big 12 hasn't had divisions in forever. So taking that into account, you have eight groupings of teams that you can rank at the moment. Number eight is the ACC Coastal. Uh, it is, uh, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's the weakest right now division in college football. Right now, North Carolina currently sits atop. They're 3-0. and They're ranked number 22 in the AP poll. But I don't think any of us that have watched North Carolina, even though they're 6-1, and I've been impressed with some of the things they've done, but they still have a lot of issues. And... You know, it was best on display against App State, and that was early. Um, but they didn't play great at times in other games as well. I think North Carolina is a dangerous team, but I think North Carolina is an incomplete team. But the rest of it, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Miami, Duke, Virginia Tech. I mean, all these teams, for the most part, beyond North Carolina, you only have two teams in the division that are above 500. One of them's Duke, all right, who hasn't beaten really anybody so far. The other's Pitt who's been really up and down this year. And you could argue there were a couple games they won and maybe shouldn't have. So Pitt, to me, very inconsistent as well. So the Coastal right now in the ACC is number eight. Number seven is the Big Ten West. The thing that's propping up the Big Ten West right now is Illinois. I'm a big believer in Illinois. I love how they play. I love both lines of scrimmage, defensive line, especially on the interior, offensive line, coupled with that run game. I love Illinois. I think Purdue's pretty good as well. Those two teams kind of propping up a division that has been really disappointing. Nebraska's currently third in the division. That should tell you all you need to know. Minnesota's one and two in the league and four and two overall. But Minnesota's been really lethargic the last couple of weeks. I thought they might be able to hang their hat at the top of the division, but it hasn't really materialized the last couple of weeks. Even though Mo Ibrahim the last week was back, didn't make enough of a difference against a really good Illinois team. Northwestern, Wisconsin, the league from top to bottom is just flat out not very good. Uh, so they are right now, I think, the seventh in regards to divisions in college football. Number six, the Pac-12, the entirety of the league. Now propped up right now very much by UCLA. Big question marks with me about where UCLA ultimately ends up. Oregon, currently in the AP poll, is 10. I'm not a believer in Oregon. They get a win this week, I'll be a believer. But I'm not right now at this point. 
They're solid. They've done a good job bouncing back, but I'm not sold on what the Ducks are currently. At number 12 in the AP polls, USC. I've had issues with USC's defense all year long. I think they've forced a ton of turnovers, but that cannot continue. And of course, they got got last week against number 15, Utah, who I think is good, but has a lot of issues on defense. I mean, I don't know how you stir it up. That was supposed to be their bread and butter, and yet their defense has been terrible based on preseason expectations. And you go on down the list, I think Oregon State's pretty good. I think Washington's pretty good. But beyond that, it's ugly. Colorado, Cal, Arizona State, um, Arizona, Stanford. I mean, we're not talking about a good quality collection, nor is there a lot of great depth in the league. So the Pac-12, to me, is sitting there at number six. The ACC Atlantic is sitting there at number five. I like the ACC Atlantic. They have a bunch of teams that are currently ranked in the top 25 with Clemson, with Syracuse, with Wake Forest, and with NC State. Well, I talked about it earlier. I think NC State's about to drop like a bad habit. I like their defense. I don't like their offense. So I think they're in major trouble. Syracuse, we're going to find out this week they play Clemson. I'm not sold on Syracuse. I'm impressed with what they've done defensively. I think they've taken advantage of teams and had some opportunistic wins for sure, but I'm not sold on them. And you look at the back half of their schedule, man, it is a gauntlet from this point forward. Impressed with what they've done to this point. They're deservingly ranked 14th in the AP poll, but they could drop quickly if things get sideways this week on the road at Clemson. Wake Forest, I'm a believer in. I think Wake Forest will be there at season's end. They have an excellent quarterback. They have a really unique offense. They have a really good passing attack. And I think they'll be there 9-3, and 10-2 at season's end. So anyone that beats Wake Forest, that would be a really, really good win. Florida State, I think, is pretty good. Boston College, I don't know what to make of them. Don't love them, to be honest with you. And then Louisville is always dangerous, but Louisville's too inconsistent for my liking to be able to get on board with them. So I have them currently... And that's a pretty solid nucleus, but I said two teams that are currently ranked, I don't think they're going to be ranked at season's end in Syracuse and NC State. I think there will be two ranked teams at season's end in Clemson and Wake Forest, but everybody else I think is just okay at this point. So I'd have the ACC Atlantic at five. At four, I have the SEC West. And that's probably going to be, whoa, hang on a second, bells and whistles going off. The SEC West? Yeah, that's right. The SEC West right now. I think Ole Miss is legit. I think Bama's legit. I think AM is disappointing. I'm not sold on LSU. I think LSU has played better last week, but they looked awful two weeks ago against Tennessee. And then you look at Mississippi State. If I continue to get up and down performance, it's going to be tough for me to gauge. You can make a case that Auburn's arguably the worst team in the SEC, and then Arkansas has been really up and down as well. The SEC West, like I said, I think there's two really good football teams, three teams that I never know what I'm going to get from, uh, excuse me, four teams I never know what I'm going to get from, and then one team that's just flat out not very talented, that's Auburn. That's why they sit there currently at number four. At number three, I have the Big Ten East. Big Ten East, I think is very, very good. Two of my top four teams are in the Big Ten East, Ohio State and Michigan. Huge believer in those two teams. Also, think that Maryland and Penn State are pretty good, like I talked about earlier. I think Penn State, really solid football team. But Maryland, Michigan State, Indiana, and Rutgers, the bottom four, I'm not sure yet. Top two, even the top three, very, very solid. Bottom four, not so much, which is why they currently sit at number three. Number two, I have the SEC East. Fifth place right now is Florida. Florida beat Utah. 
Utah is one of the reasons why I like the Pac-12. All right, that should tell you all you need to know. Florida is four and three and not playing very good football, at least based on last week. The bottom is atrocious in Vanderbilt and Missouri. But if you look at Georgia, who I have at three, Tennessee, who I have at two, Kentucky, who I think is a top 20 football team and could very easily be in the top 10, if not for having lost their quarterback for a game and having played awful, awful with critical errors in critical moments against Ole Miss. I think they're a really good football team. So three excellent, excellent football teams, and then two really good football teams in South Carolina and Florida. Even though Florida's a little bit up and down, they still have a great win. So it's difficult to ignore what they could potentially be. And then finally, the top dog right now, as far as groupings of teams in college football, is the Big 12. Now you're going to say, well, how do you come up with that? There's might not even be a college football playoff team in the bunch. Yeah, that's why I love them. Because the Big 12, you never know what you're going to get in a given weekend, man. I mean, it is as entertaining and as exciting and as closely compact group as you're going to find. Shoot, last week, West Virginia's on life support, the worst team in the Big 12, and they knock off last year's champion. Iowa State is a drop pass away from knocking off a team that's sitting at 3-1 and one in the league and might be the best team in the league overall in Texas. You have TCU, who I have at number five. You have Kansas State, who would be nipping on the heels of any team in the top 10 for me. I think they're a top 12, top 13 football team. Huge, huge believer in what Kansas State's done. Oklahoma State, like I told you earlier, really like them. I mean, this is a really awesome collection of football teams. And I don't know if you can go 1-10 through 10 and tell me a bad football team. I don't think there's one. Every other league, every other division can can point to, all right, they're bad. All right, fine. That's a bad football team. That's a bad football team. That's a bad football team. I can't name a bad football team right now in the Big 12. Top to bottom, it's as strong as anyone, and that's why they currently sit right now atop my grouping power rankings, conference division power rankings, is the Big 12. All right, one more. I have to ask you about Clemson because you mentioned that uh, you know the, the ACC might not be as strong as the others. Clemson's remaining schedule is four home games against one against a ranked opponent in Syracuse this week and an away game at Notre Dame. Do they have to kind of pass an eye test to guarantee a spot in the playoffs? Or like, I mean, I'm just if what if Michigan and Ohio State and Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama keep rolling? Like, is Clemson guaranteed if they just keep squeaking by a couple of average teams? No. If they're undefeated in, assuming there's not five undefeated Power 5 champions, Clemson will be in. But what if they're squeaking by teams? What if they're not passing Doesn't that matter. eye test? 2014 Florida State made it in over one loss, one loss TCU, who was rolling folks, and one loss Baylor, who was also rolling folks. Why? Because Florida State was undefeated. Same league, same division. They were undefeated. They made it in, even though everyone that watched them all year long was like, dude, Florida State's just not good. They're going to get got. I mean, they're just not very good. And then what happened? When they got to the playoff, they played Oregon and got destroyed. So they will. if you're undefeated, you win the Power 5 League Championship, you're in. I mean, I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if they were ever left out in favor of a one-loss team. I would. Now, one loss, power five champion. You just referenced the possibility of, you know, a Tennessee versus Alabama versus Georgia three-way, you know, three-way whatever. Looking at that, 
I, I don't see a scenario in that scenario where Georgia beats Tennessee. Tennessee had beaten Alabama. Bama runs the table in the SEC West. Bama gets to the SEC championship game, knocks off Georgia, who was previously undefeated. Alabama then has maybe the best win in college football this year. They're in. They're also the SEC champion. Georgia has the head-to-head win against Tennessee, which means the head-to-head would factor in there. Tennessee would be left out. Georgia at 12-1 and would get in. Then you have the winner of Michigan-Ohio State, the winner of that likely a de facto situation where they would potentially get in. I think it all depends too. I mean, right there, would Georgia be guaranteed a spot at 12 and one? Because if Clemson's undefeated at 13 and 0 ACC champion, well, then you have a power five champion in Bama power five champion in Clemson power five champion or in, in Michigan or Ohio state, and then potentially a power five champion in the big 12 and, or the PAC 12 with zero or one loss. It's not a guarantee. The ultimate decision needs to rest on conference championships. Now, people will say, well, the best team. You know, who's the best team? Who's the best team? Well, based on eye test, based on recruiting rankings, based on blue chip potential, based on star power, like, fine. Conference championships, to me, is always going to be the most important criteria. And if you're looking between an undefeated Power 5 conference champion against a one-loss non-Power 5 conference champion that was a runner-up and or lost a game, the undefeated Power 5 champion, regardless of the strength of schedule, regardless of strength of resume, will get in over the team that better passed the eye test. That's my opinion. I think we saw evidence. We've only seen it one other time. We saw evidence of this in 2014 when undefeated Florida State made it, but they didn't pass the eye test. Meanwhile, TCU did, Baylor did. Guess what? They were on the outside looking in. Why? Because they lost. Undefeated will always reign supreme, even if the schedule isn't as significant, and even if the strength of schedule isn't as significant as some other teams that you're being measured against. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed makes hiring all in one place so easy because it takes 10 minutes or less for most small business employers to post a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed also has a jaw-dropping pool of talent. In fact, three out of four U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comstore. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash always. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 offer. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, now let's move on to a game that we play every once in a while. It's Guess Who Said It, Coops. Kick it off. 
All right, this is a good one here. We're going to start it off. This is the third time we have been this deep in over three decades. So it is rare. You should cherish it. You should understand this moment and not let it just go past you. You might want to slow down and make sure you get it. And I don't know what's going to happen in the cards, but right now it's something you should look at and be proud of. McElroy, guess who said that? This this deep, like this high, this like what you should feel good about. I'm gonna say Josh Heupel. Ooh, that is incorrect. I'll give you one more guess, though. One more guess. Uh, I'm assuming I'm on the right right track. Is that what it is? Because you're giving me one more. Yes. Yeah. Teams that haven't been good. I'm gonna say the right track. All right. (laughs) I'm gonna say the Ole Miss Rebels. Lane Kiffin. No, that is incorrect. Dino Babers. Dino, take it away. This is the third time that we've been this deep in over three decades. So it's rare. You should cherish it. You should understand this moment and not let it just go past you. You might want to slow down and make sure you get it. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in the cards, you know, Sunday. But right now, it's something that you should look at and you should be proud of. Hey, he's right. It's cool, man. Enjoy it, right? Enjoy it. I mean, you got nothing to lose. You're in a position to go take down the team that has dominated. Your league dominated your division for the better part of a decade. Go out and throw your best punch because I can tell you this. I think this Syracuse team is not great. I don't think they're the 14th best team in college football. But I do think that Syracuse has been much worse in the last decade and given teams like Clemson who are actually much better than they are this year. They've given them all they wanted, including pulling off some crazy upsets from time to time. Way back, what, a couple years ago when 2017, I believe, 2018, when it was they took Trevor Lawrence, led Clemson to the brink, and Chase Bryce had to save the day. Or was it 2017, the year before, when they beat Clemson? Or was it 16? I don't know. Either way, all I know is that they've beaten them and that they've lost close to them. And that Syracuse team was nowhere near as good as this Syracuse team might be. And that Clemson team, I think, in a lot of ways, is a whole lot better than the Clemson team that will tee it up this year. So good one there from Dino Babers. How about Chase Bryce and Tommy DeVito in the Syracuse-Clemson matchup in 2018? Now, moving on. All right, I like that. Next one, guess who said that? The environment, the noise, the fans, all those pieces are great elements, but none of those things are playing the game. So none of that's really going to have a factor. Playing here before, that can be a factor in this game. He's got some great experience in this place. I'm sure he has some fond memories in this place. McElroy, guess who said that? Sounds like someone that's returning somewhere else this week after having played somewhere. Gosh, I'm so bad at this game. I'm looking at like the list of teams trying to figure out what the games are this weekend that would lead to someone potentially making that call. Gosh, it's too difficult. I'm going to say... Would you like a hint? A lifeline? Yeah, a lifeline would be nice. All right. The lifeline is, he's coming to your city. 
Okay, that's Dorian Thompson Robinson, Chip Kelly. That is correct, and that is Dan Lanning <laughs> talking about Chip Kelly. The environment, the the noise, the fans, all those pieces are great elements, but they're not. The, the, none of those things are playing the game. So none of that's really going to have a factor. Obviously, you know, playing here before that that can be a factor in this game. Um, he's got great experience in this place. I'm sure he has some fond memories in this place. I'm looking forward to breaking this game down. I really think that UCLA is playing excellent football. Uh, things, a couple things to clean up for sure, but excellent football nonetheless at a lot of different spots. They are a problem offensively. And I think this will be by far the most difficult offense as far as all the different variations that they're going to see that Georgia's, or that, excuse me, that Oregon's played since Georgia. So uh, we're going to find out exactly where Oregon stands because if they can slow down this Chip Kelly led offense, that tells me all I need to know about the advancements and the improvements they've made since week one. But I don't think they're going to. I like UCLA in this game. I like the matchup a lot. And if UCLA can continue to stay composed, they can stay poised, they're going to be able to go into a hostile environment with how they run the football and the veteran leadership that they have across the board on the offensive side of the football. Uh, I think they're well positioned to take care of business this weekend. But I can't wait to break it down a little bit further here in the next couple of days. All right, great show today. We unveiled a top 10. We got to answer a couple questions about divisions. We did some power rankings. We did a little bit of everything today here on Always College Football. We hope you enjoyed it. Please like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever it is you get the show. It's on ESPN's YouTube channel, or if you get it via the podcast on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, we appreciate you being with us. Look, final thought for today. We unveiled rankings. A lot of people get discouraged. A lot of people get up in arms. A lot of people get offended. Whatever the situation may be with you, as far as your team is concerned, don't worry about it. We are still at the midway point. We have seven more weeks of college football here in the regular season, six more technically, before we get to the conference championship Saturday. There are still so many teams that are in control of their own destiny. I mean, you can go all the way down the list to say 20, uh, 22 in the AP poll. North Carolina is at 22. North Carolina wins out. You think North Carolina's going to be left out of the college football playoff? I mean, it's possible, but they're sitting there 6-1. and one. They're not terribly positioned with a loss to Notre Dame. They're not terribly positioned to make a run. You win the ACC. You win the ACC championship game. Let the chips fall where they may. Maybe they find their way into the mix. So don't get worried about where you're at right now. What you need to look at is not what you've accomplished so far, but what's coming up. Like we're going to talk a lot about the playoff. We're going to talk a lot about teams that are trying to contend for the playoff. But if you're not in the playoff mix, you still have a lot to play for as far as program perception, and especially those of which that have kind of turned over a new leaf this year. We've talked about Florida. We've talked about LSU. We've talked about programs that might not necessarily be within an arm's length of the playoff, but still the perception of your program is significant when trying to attract talent in the years to come. If you want to get into the playoff mix, you better finish 2022 strong so that you can carry some momentum into 2023, start 23 with a bang, and then carry momentum into 24. Look at Tennessee. They were left for dead at the end of the 2020 season. Back in the beginning of 2021, they bring in Josh Heupel. They bring in a new offense. They show promise. They show excitement. They carry all that momentum over into the offseason and look where they're at right now. They're already sitting right now firmly in the top five with an outside shot of potentially getting to 
and winning the national championship. So everything is right there at the tip of your fingers. You just got to focus on the game that sits right in front of you. I know I feel like a coach right now, but that's the only way to approach it. Don't worry about what's happened. Don't worry about what, what you didn't do. Just worry about what's in front of you. and Go attack it to the best of your ability. For all of us here at Always College Football, we really appreciate it. For Mark Kubiak, for Jack Foster, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day. Check us out tomorrow here at Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.